Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney, are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Brace yourselves, winter is coming. What the writers of games, uh, Game of Thrones didn't want to tell you is that Bran was actually in a wheelchair because he didn't trim his balls with Manscaped. Poor guy thought it was okay to trim his balls with a traditional razor or hair trimmer. Not sure what you want as a gift for the holidays? Well, Manscaped is the ultimate gift, and they're here to change the men's grooming game. And you can get 20% off, plus free shipping if you use the code UNFILTERED20 at manscaped.com. It's time to gear up and get yourself the gift of shaving this holiday season. I am talking about the Manscaped Perfect Package 4.0. The Performance Package 4.0 is the best in the business. This hygiene bundle includes the Lawnmower 4.0, Weed Whacker, Boxers, Travel Kit, and Liquid Formulations. The new Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer is waterproof with advanced skin safe technology to reduce nicks and cuts, and even has a light to help with your close shave down there. No need to have a red wedding situation next time you're going for a trim. The Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer can help you whack those nasty weeds in your delicate holes. This product also has proprietary skin-safe technology to help prevent nicks, snags, and tugs. The Performance Package also includes Crop Preserver. It's deodorant for your balls to protect against chafing. Also, their Crop Reviver Ball Toner will keep your boys fresh at all times. Maybe you're on the other side of the wall and you don't know when your next shower is. No worries. The Crop Mop Ball Wipes are for you. Have smelly feet? Manscaped can help with their foot duster, foot deodorant made to fight odors of the dirtiest feet. Want to smell good everywhere? The Refined Cologne by Manscaped is a clean and fresh scented designed for the refined gentleman. On top of everything, they've even thrown in the shed travel bag to carry your goods and the Manscaped anti-chafing boxer briefs to hold the entire package together. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code UNFILTERED20 at manscaped.com. During the winter, you may be spending more time inside with your balls. Might as well make them beautiful. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code UNFILTERED20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code UNFILTERED20. It's time to join the Manscaped movement. These products are snow joke. And welcome to episode 216 of Habs Unfiltered. I'm your host, Blaine Pudney. I'm joined by my co-host, Treg Wilson. Hello. And we are joined by our special guest, Daniel McKay of Boxing Rock Brewing. Hey, how's it going? Uh, we're, we're happy to have you here. Happy to be here. 
So for those who may have missed our last episode, we, uh, we've partnered with Boxing Rock and our goal is to introduce people in Nova Scotia to your wonderful new product, Puck Off Ale. And if anyone wants to try a 12 pack out free on us, all you have to do is just follow us on our socials and tell us why they love the show. So Daniel, why don't you give our listeners a little bit of a background on Boxing Rock? Yep. Um, So Boxing Rock started, I believe it was eight or nine years ago. I'm not too sure. I haven't been there since the beginning. So a little while ago, um, and they've just been growing and growing. I started about five years ago. where we just sort of had some core brands, our Hunky Dory, our Vickers, our Red, stuff like that. But uh, in recent years, we've been branching out a little bit more and we get some cool new ones like Puck Off, which we got right there, which is actually mine and one of my co-brewers creations. Um, we wanted to start uh, making something that was a little bit more accessible to, you know, people, some people really don't like the heavier craft beers and it's not their thing, um, which I completely understand. So we really try to make, yep, that's a perfect one. That's my favorite. So Temptation Red, it's pretty good. Yeah. Um, but we, uh, we ended up coming up with Puck Off, you know, it's sort of as close as we could get to a domestic style beer. So your Keys, your Budweiser, stuff like that, but it's a craft beer. It's local. You can support us. And I think it, you know, it holds up right next to all of those big brands. So we just want to get the word out there that, you know, there is a, a local craft option um, to enjoy while you're watching the hockey games. So, yeah. It pairs really well after a beer league hockey game. You put yeah. in that, that, uh, that effort of not back checking and then you have <laughs> yourself a couple of beers after. Yeah. They definitely go down good and they uh, kind of remove some worry <laughs> sometimes. So. Yeah. You forget about those times you got burned. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Now, for so anybody wants to win a 12-pack of that, remember, follow us on the socials and then put on a comment or retweet and tell us, uh, tell us why you like listening to the show. Let all your friends know and you'll be entered to win. And you have to be 19 years of age. You have to be able to get to Nova Scotia to collect your beer because that's where it is. Is there any plans to expand beyond Nova Scotia? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not too sure on the logistics side. I know it can be difficult um, yeah. exporting out of Nova Scotia just because of our laws. So um, I, I'm, I'm sure it's been thought of. And if, if we could do it, it, it should be in the pipeline sometime. So I hope so. Yes, I do too. <laughs> Can't let Keats be the only Nova Scotia brand out there. No, that's, I don't think that's absolutely right. We need to get some more representation for sure. So exactly. We need some um, decent beer out there. Yeah. That's what, yeah. And like I said, I think it might be more a logistical thing. So yeah. uh, hopefully in future, yeah, we can, I know we do um, from time to time, send some kegs to New Brunswick and stuff like that. So uh, hopefully in the future, we can see some puck off across the country. I think that would uh, be really great. All right. Well, we're going to switch over to some hockey talk. And obviously you're wearing an avalanche Jersey for some strange reason. Yep. Did you lose a bet? No, uh, it's actually when I was young, uh, the Montreal Canadians lost one of the greatest goalies of all time. And, uh, that kind of really scared me as a child. So I, I went with the goalie, uh, Mr. Waugh. So yeah, that's, that would be why I'm cheering for the avalanche. Uh, a young me really liked Patrick Waugh. So I kind of went with him in their inaugural season and, I can say I've been cheering for them since 95, 96. So I've, you know, 
it's not a bandwagon thing currently. It's uh, it's been quite some time, but Treg went the other way. He stayed with the team. Oh, did he? Oh, that's unfortunate. Yeah, they put the logo on the front, not the name on the back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although I was a huge Wa fan as well, and I was devastated by that. But uh, um, I don't know. I just stayed with the team, and through the years, I found a new player to root for each decade. I guess you could say. And here we are. So looking for the next one. It'll it'll come. It'll, it'll come. come. We're not quite as lucky as Daniel here, who has a cup contender in his midst already. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it hasn't always been that way, though. Uh, last, you know, previous to three years ago, they were definitely not a cup contender. So there are hard yeah. times. So <laughs> now on that. So the Canadians are just starting out <clears throat> with. Um, well, it's going to be a rebuild, let's be honest. So Gorton's going to have to do a little bit of house cleaning and the team's not going to be very good for about a year or two, at least. How hard was it for you to watch your team go through that process? Uh, yeah. Um, I th- not to say it was a little bit extra difficult, but when you're clamoring just to watch games because you're watching a team on the West coast of the U S um, you know, it makes it that much more difficult. It's not like it's on CBC or TSM, whatever it happens to be every night, like the Canadians or, you know, the Leafs. So that kind of, you know, it dissuades you a bit more obviously because you're kind of tuning in for a six, one loss. It's that's not fun for anybody. Um, the positive is, I mean, you look, you look at a guy like Nathan McKinnon in that huge slump, he was, you know, he wasn't a world breaker like he is right now, but we saw him grow and a guy like Rantanen and Landeskog, you kind of get to see these guys and you attach to them. And hopefully the Hebs organization, you know, I don't know them supremely well, but from top to bottom, I'm sure there's some prospects that you can really key in on. And that's what made it easier for me. You know, you watch those guys and you see them start to take off and the team will start to take off with them. It's kind of rewarding that you, you know, you stuck with them the whole time. And uh, you start to see them get some recognition that they probably deserve. So hard, the simple answer hard, but if you like hockey, obviously you're going to watch. So. Yeah. I I think that's the key. You just got to like the sport and then really love your team and know that uh, the NHL isn't much different than junior leagues. You're going to go through years, although the years last longer, the years of contention or the years of playing good hockey are longer. Uh, But every so 10 to 15 years, you got to, reset the reset the team and you gotta you gotta start almost from a new and build a new team to come up unless you're like washington or detroit of the 90s where you could just keep getting these draft picks that filled in for the old guys coming out properly um but and i think that's where montreal is now it's been 20 years since they really tried to do a rebuild and uh yeah here we are now with uh what probably looks like it's going to be a rebuild next year I don't think the Canadians have ever done a rebuild. I, I don't think they have. They, well, they never had to not pre nineties because they have always had a fairly good team and a fairly good system. But uh, since uh, now with the, with the cap and everything, uh, I don't think they ever really done a proper rebuild. They, I don't think they ever have. Now, as an avalanche fan, you've been able to see it play coach, be a member of the executive do you, in your opinion, feel that he would actually be useful as a hockey executive? It's a tough one because sometimes you love the player, but uh, was Wayne Gretzky a great coach, right? That's always the question. Um, 
I, th- I, th- no, yeah, the, the answer is no. Um, <laughs> um, I, I, it was a weird one because his first year, I think, you know, if you think back, you guys might not remember as not being Avs fans, but that first game in Anaheim where he's behind the bench and he got into it with Boudreaux, yeah. like you want to see that. And it makes you wonder like the Landis Gogs and McKinnons that were, weren't really doing, you know, a whole bunch of stuff. Was that kind of the fire that got them going? Was it his leadership that got them, got them, you know, going really well like that? Or was it the back half of his you know, coaching with Colorado and he, he was just, you know, I want this guy for no reason. You know what I mean? Like he has a lot of that. There's, there was a lot of questionable picks. I, I would say um, fairly obvious draft choices that he just wouldn't make because it wasn't his system. And if he's an executive, he's going to have even more say when it comes to that stuff. I, I don't know if I trust his process on that. Um, personally, that's just from, you know, the however many years he was coaching for us. Um, or it could be the opposite. He could have completely learned. So to give you a non-answer, I'm not actually sure. My immediate reaction is no, but maybe. <laughs> I personally think Wah wouldn't be a bad coach in Montreal. I think, uh, you know, he'd light the fire under the players. I think he turned the team. He has a passion that the fans would love and everyone would. Uh, um, but uh, as far as executive decisions, I, I agree with you, Daniel. I think he would want the player he wants regardless of who's available, if it's the best person or not, which is similar to kind of what Bergevin was doing, like with Kotniemi and a couple other guys. He was like, I'm going to draft for need, not draft for best player, which I think you should be doing at least in the top 10 uh, as best player available, not so much for need. And I think Wah would definitely, if he had to say, and I think that's why he left Colorado because Saka was kind of like, nope, I'm not doing that. And he was like, well, then I don't want to be a part of this. And uh, I think Wah, as a coach, as long as he knows as a coach that Gorton and whoever the GM is going to be is going to be like, we're making the decisions at this point. You can give us input, but, you know, we're not going off the board because you like, you know, Simon Turcott from, you know, your old team there uh, from the ramparts and we're, we're not doing that. We're, you know, as long as he knows that's going to happen, I think he would make a good coach, but I, I don't see him as an executive. An alumni, but not an executive. That's the other part too, right? Like what do you do with Colorado coaching? You know, no matter what, they, the fans will still love him, but does it kind of tarnish his legacy in Montreal if he goes in as a coach or an executive and really kind of messes the team up? You know, he's kind of, even though he was traded, he's still kind of one of the beloved Montreal Canadiens of all time, right? So I don't know. that might play a factor too in his own decision, I guess. But I think that buys him an extra couple of weeks of leeway from the press. But other than that, uh, yeah, I, I can't see them not piling on if he screws up. His first questionable call or first questionable everyone will put. It's Montreal. It's going to get piled on like crazy. Like it's 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 your win or you're terrible. One it's one of the it's the same winning with goaltending, especially in the last few years. The nine one Detroit game. Uh they booed him every time he, you know, the fans booed him, the media was all over him. Worse. Mock and cheered him. Mock cheered him, which is even worse. So you gotta look at that and think that was just one game. Same thing happened in the year they won the cup in 93. Waugh never had a good regular season. He, he wasn't, he was average at best. He had over three goals against average and under a nine save percentage. And there was talk then maybe Waugh should be traded. Maybe we should get rid of Waugh, blah, blah, blah. And this is what a lot of people don't realize is this is the Montreal 
why it's so hard for the Canadians to attract free agents and to attract players is because of this. I don't want to say cesspool because it's not all bad, but it's when you're winning, it's the greatest place to play. When you're not winning, uh, you just want to bury yourself in a hole and never come out again. Um, and, and that's Montreal. I, I don't know if Colorado's like that. I, I don't know what their fan base is like, but uh, I think Toronto's similar too. Toronto's almost the same way, although Toronto thinks they're going to win the cup every October. Um, and then they never do. Uh, but uh, Montreal's the opposite. Montreal thinks they're going to suck all year. Then when they do success, it's a big miracle. Every player that they pick or pick up is going to be shitty. And uh, it's always negative right from the start. And then uh, I think that's, I think that's the main issue in Montreal right now. And I think that's, I don't know if Wall wants to do, I mean, he wants to be in Montreal, but I don't know if he does what he do, does in Colorado, if it'll, he has to know if he, I, I would have to know if he learned from that, like, cause you can't get away with that in Montreal. They already say he took his ball and went home twice. So why would they want him, <laughs> want him again? So now in Colorado, you guys, um, like I said, you guys are a cup contending team, but there, there is some question marks in net. Uh, yeah. Um, I, I've been a proponent of this when just talking to people. I don't think there actually is question marks in net. I think you have a high skill, uh, high ceiling team that, has played one game together this season, the entire top to bottom roster. And I know that happens, but I mean, you're more uh, Colorado's playing every game with two of your top four defensemen out, you know, one or two of your top six guys out. You, you really can't judge and start to, you know, raise the alarms when last year they were one of the best, best defensive teams by advanced metrics. Right. And you look at that and there wasn't, there was a bit of changeover. But the guys that uh, stepped up are actually playing better defensively. It's just, it's not a full unit. There's COVID, McKinnon was out, McCarr has been out, Bowen Barnes. I think come the new year, barring, you know, any COVID, you know, shutdowns or pauses, whatever ends up happening there, um, you'll, you'll probably see that that goaltending isn't going to be as big as a question mark. Also, getting Francois, the backup back for the first time in two years, he, you know, Homer glasses and everything aside, he is one of the better backup goalies in the league. Like he's a guy I'm not worried in the slightest when he starts. So I think that's a big thing to have back too. And yeah, maybe I'm just being a Homer here, but I don't think it's as big of a problem as it seems to be. Like when I read headlines, all the media is just Colorado's got a goalie problem. I don't think they have a goalie problem. I think they've had a, an injury and COVID problem over the last few months. So. So you think that their goaltending is good enough to get past the second round? Uh, yes. Yes, I do. I like the shade. You know, it was good there, but, um, <laughs> um, Kemper as, as we can see with Grubauer in Seattle right now, Kemper is an upgrade on Grubauer. Um, Grubauer goaltending wasn't the reason they got eliminated the last two years in the playoffs. Not even the slightest one's a bonehead move by the captain that should have been, you know, um, offsides it, that completely changes the game. And I think last year it was just, it was fatigue. Um, they, you know, so many games to end the season, right back to back to back to back. And then right into the playoffs, it was, it was, um, yeah, it was, they were just destined to be eliminated when they were eliminated last year. Um, I think this year, if, if hopefully we get there, that that won't be the issue this year. I think it will be the depth of this year, the defensive side, like you said, if they're not back, um, that's the concerning part. So, yeah, I, I, I think they're okay in that right now. Knock on wood. We'll see what happens though. I think that's the uh, media <clears throat> uh, way of looking at it because uh, Colorado does have a great forward group. 
Uh, when healthy, they have a great defensive group. So then you look at the goaltending and there's not a star goalie there. I mean, Quent Kemper, I guess you could, uh, when he was in Minnesota, uh, you know what I mean? Like he wasn't, and I think that's why they say you're weak in goal because you don't have that name goalie, you know, you don't have a yep. Vasilevsky or a Price or a whoever, you know what I mean? Could have and, a Price. They could uh, Nah, nah. <laughs> I want to pay for Nathan McKinnon for the next 10 years. I don't want to have to worry about that's the unfortunate part about having price, but yeah, I mean, Kemper, you're right. He's not a named guy, but if you look, if you kind of look at the, I, I know I keep saying advanced stuff. I like the advanced metrics quite a bit um, just because it completely removes the, you know, the human error for the most part, obviously there's still an eye test that you have to pass, but um his numbers and the way he played in Arizona the last few years, it like I think he had like a nine two six save average or a nine three one in one of the years, and that's in front of a terrible Arizona team. So I think it's just more people don't know necessarily who Kemper is. I've seen him on mock list at the start of the year for Team Canada, even. So I feel like he's just kind of on the, the verge there of, you know, if he blew up this year or next year with Colorado, he'd be like, okay, he's a true starting number one goalie. It's just I think he suffers from. He played for Arizona and Minnesota when they weren't great. So, um, but he's still unproven, like you said, because he's not a star goalie in most people's eyes. So you're right. The media can go both ways with that. And what can you do, right? Like you have great forwards and a pretty good defense. Oh, you're right. It's got to be the goaltending is the issue. And I I, I don't really think it is. I mean, if you look at the last 10 games with Colorado, when you're scoring seven goals a night, (laughs) like six goals, whatever it happens to be, you're going to let in a couple soft ones, no, ma- no matter what. So people keep saying, you know, on Reddit and Twitter, like you can't let in the soft one. Yeah, you're right. You can't let in the soft ones, but the close games, he's played like a great goalie. And in the games that are out of reach, he lets in a couple squeakers. It's, you know, it's just kind of the way hockey works in my opinion, but we'll see, I guess. So you're saying he is this generation's Chris Osgood. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> As a guy that hates Chris Osgood and the Detroit Red Wings, yes, very similar. Yep, absolutely. I had to put that dig in there too. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. I, I, understand. I understand. That's all right. <laughs> Drake, he, needs to win a, he needs to win a cup, though, to be uh, this generation's Chris Osgood. Yes, he does. He does. Yes. Well, let's, let's admit, Detroit had many goalies that should never have been cup winning goalies, and they won a cup just because they played for Detroit. Absolutely. Mike Vernon. Mike Vernon comes to mind. At, 40 years old or however old he was when he won a cup with Detroit. But, mm-hmm. uh, um, but yeah, I think that's the narrative they make with Colorado because defense and forward are so good. Oh, well, why, you know, it must be the goaltending is why they're losing games or whatever. And if we want to talk about soft goals, when Brodeur didn't get a shutout, he always let a soft goal in. So yeah. I, I always bring that up to people. Brodeur's one of the greatest goalies of all time, but if he didn't get a shutout, guaranteed one of the goals he let in was a soft goal. Right, so the Hawaii used to let in a soft goal or two every game. That's yeah, yeah. yeah. You have a three-one win for Colorado when Wall was there, and it's because at the end of the game, you know, he let a softie in. It, it's, yeah. I think it's just part of the game more than it is indicative. Held his glove up in front of someone yeah. to show yeah. off, and he dropped the puck. Yeah, <laughs> but it's, and that's the thing. It's not uh, the soft goal. It's all about timing. Are you up three nothing when you let the soft goal in, or are you up only one goal? Yeah. You make the yeah. save when it counts. Now, so far, Kemper's done that. This playoff is going to be the real test. If he can actually play the way he's been playing and get them further in the playoffs than they, they have been lately, then, yeah, he'll, he'll be given the respect he's due. But if for whatever reason they, they falter again in the playoffs, I, I, 
they're probably going to have to make some changes. I, I think a reasonable hockey fan, though, Blaine, will look at that and say, yeah. is he really the reason, though? Like, sure, they may not have to make it True. past the second round, but if he has a 920 save percentage and, you know, has high, you know, high danger shots were way up, then you can say, well, it wasn't really him. It was his defense in front of him. Or, you know, maybe McKinnon only scores two points in 12 games or something. <laughs> you know, I, it's possible. I'm just saying. It's possible. I'm just saying. Maybe he pulls a... I don't know, a, a Mitch Marner doesn't score at all, right? Sure. So, uh, <laughs> just saying, right? I don't know about that part. But, so you got to look at it. I, I think you're right. I think if everything goes well, but they don't make it past, because of the narrative, they'll look at the goaltending. And yep. I, I don't mind Kemper. I don't think he's a bad goalie. And I think that'll hurt Colorado if they keep going through this carousel of goalies looking for the right one. Yeah. And I think eventually it's, if, if this Kemper might be the end of the experiment on let's get a guy, you know, we went and got group hour. We went and we've, we've made these moves for the last three or four years because of this. So if Kemper's not the guy, it's, you know, there's a serious discussion to be had there because free agency hasn't worked. Trading hasn't worked. Homegrown talent hasn't worked. There's clearly something very wrong with the organization and goaltenders, but um, I, I think they'll fix it up. I think it's going to be okay. Hopefully I'm right on that. Knock on wood, but uh, we'll definitely see come playoff time. Also, I think a lot of Colorado struggles in the playoffs. Again, I know I'm a homer, but uh, when you have a high skill, high speed team, I hate defending Toronto. I do not like talking positively about the Maple Leafs, but they're very, they're built very simple. Uh, similarly, their crutch is the first round, right? And it seems like these high speed, high skill teams, when it comes playoff time, you might get one or two less calls a game. You might get one or two less penalties, but when your team is based around the speed and skill like Colorado and Toronto and you don't get that extra power play and you don't get that momentum swing and they're not calling the obvious trips or hooks or whatever it happens to be, that really slows teams like that down. And that's why if you look back at who Colorado has been eliminated by Vegas, San Jose, Dallas, they're big Western Conference meathead teams that just plow you into the boards, they knock you down and they go to the front of the net. If you don't get the calls you need from that, they're going to beat you every single time if you're a skill team. And I think that's been more indicative of the way Colorado's kind of gone uh, in the playoffs than the whole team. But what you guys are saying is right. The media instantly looks at it must be the goaltender. McKinnon's not scoring enough. Is Kale McCarthy as good as he is? I don't think it's that as much as just as uh, the way the game is played in the playoffs. And, you know, they, they have brought up a guy, Curtis McDerm- McDermott, sorry. Uh, he played for L.A., I'm not going to lie completely useless on defense, but they've been playing as a fourth line forward. And, you know, he fought Ryan Reeves the other night and wasn't a, you know, complete clean knockout, but he beat Ryan Reeves in a fight. Colorado hasn't had that in 10, 15 years. They haven't had a guy like that. And Vegas took out Bowen Byram in the playoffs last year, an elbow to the head concussion. The year before that, we were injured all the time from the playing the bigger team. So maybe this is kind of help with that. I'm kind of hoping a little bit, but We'll see. We'll see going forward. And that's that brings us to, back to the whole rebuilding uh, discussion. I mean, the Canadians are just starting out with that part. They have that gritty aspect in some of their younger players. They need to bring in the skill, whereas Colorado has all that skill, but they need some of that that grit to really finish off, to polish off what they have. So the the rebuild process isn't quite complete yet. And I agree. I don't think Kemper's really the issue. I do feel that 
you guys are lacking in those playoff type players. Like Landeskog is definitely one. Like you have a top line playoff style player right there because he's all heart. Yep. You, yep. you don't yep. want to go in the corner with that guy. Yep. But it's on defense. You need a couple of those types of players. Now, Johnson could probably do that, but not quite to the level that you need. So it's those little, those little changes. Like maybe, I don't know, someone who has experience in the playoffs and plays a physical game like a Ben Sherratt would be helpful. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I still think I was it last year or two years ago. I'm I'm blanking. Ian Cole, when they didn't re-up him, I understand why, because you know we have Bowen Byron, Makari Dredd, all these young guys coming up. Yeah. They're all studs. You don't have time for an Ian Cole, right? But you know what? In in those two, I think he played in two playoff, uh, two back to back playoffs with us, and he was invisible, which is a good thing as a defenseman. He wasn't making mistakes, but he'd be the only guy laying the hits. You know what I mean? He'd be on every penalty kill yet. Yeah, we need that style. Johnson's you're right. He's sort of coming into that now in his older age, but he's not as physical as you'd want to be. Um, I, I think there's got to be somebody out there, like you said, a Sherratt or something like that. I wouldn't be surprised if they move for them, even if they're uh, like a seventh D that, you know, first two games of a series, it's not going the way we want. Okay. We're going to fire him in instead of Jack Johnson or whoever happens to be right. I think that's definitely, you'll see that at the trade deadline because that is the biggest glaring hole in in my opinion right now. So yeah, absolutely. Well, that's, that, and that's a huge reason why Montreal went to the finals, I think is because their defense just smothered the other players. Like when they went down three, one to Toronto and came back and won that series, by the way, if any Leaf fans are listening and forgot, um, they uh that's how they won uh, i mean Leafs will say oh it's because we lost to Varys. well you won two games after you lost to, or three games after you lost to Varys. so let's not let that narrative gotta go um <clears throat> but it's because montreal's defense and like guys like uh paul byron and uh, uh lekanen and uh, uh anderson and that just smothered the uh the the other players they couldn't get their speed in they couldn't use their skill and you're absolutely right it's a wholly different game in the playoffs it's a totally different called game in the playoffs and uh that's all they did they just pushed them out of the front of the net used their strength and size and they ended up winning games 2-1 and 3-2 and there weren't high scoring games but they they kept the skilled guys in check and that and that's how they and they did the same with Vegas and they did the same with Winnipeg and they did the same with uh well they did do it with Tampa but you know they should have <laughs> that's what Vegas did to Colorado correct yeah to win the yeah. chance to lose to Montreal <laughs> I was so hoping that we would beat Vegas and Montreal will go through just so I could have a Montreal Colorado playoff series just well because it will never probably happen ever and you know the history between the two teams obviously it would have been so great but it could happen in the finals this year it could yes well let's hope for that this year maybe next year <laughs> If Montreal wins at an 800 winning percentage for the rest of the season. Yeah. Or they COVID shut down shuts down, shut down the league. And they just let Montreal into the playoffs. Yeah. <laughs> there's hope. You're saying there's still hope. There's still hope. There's yeah. still hope. No. Please don't. There's Please zero. don't. <laughs> so, uh, all right. Um, before we let you go, why don't you uh, remind our listeners where they can find your products, how they can get a hold of you guys, you know, the whole, the bio. Yep. Um, so you can find us in just about any Nova Scotia liquor store. I'm pretty sure we're in every single one with a, a, a variety of selection, depending where you're at. But uh, generally, if you go to the big NSLCs, you can find most of our stuff. Um, we also are in Harvest and Wa- Harvest 
uh, Harvest Wines and stuff like that, Rockhead, just a bunch of um, of the private wine stores and stuff in in the in around the city. And you can always ask if we're you know if we have something that you know we have and it's not available. A lot of those private places, we'll try to get it in and do all that stuff. Or down at our tap room here in Shelburne, um, we have everything that we're producing here, obviously. So um, yeah. Uh, social media, everything, Boxing Rock, you can find us, all of our promotions, everything that's going on, what we got planned coming up, um, some new stuff for the new year, that'll all be there. Um, but yeah, you can, best place to look is always the liquor store. We have a big selection there and then you can kind of branch up from there and find some of our more specialty stuff. That's definitely my favorite store in the province. Absolutely. <laughs> all right. So I want to thank you, Daniel, for coming on the show and for uh, helping us put out some, uh, put out the word on Boxing Rock. It's definitely a product that I've enjoyed for a, quite a few years, and I'm glad that we partnered up. Yeah, it's been awesome. Thanks for having me on here today. I uh, hope everyone goes out and, uh, you know, grabs a 12-pack of puck off and give it a go and give me some feedback. I can always, you know, readjust it and make it better for you guys. So, um, yeah, thanks for having me again, guys. I appreciate it, and it's great talking to you. Thank nice you very you, much. Man. Take yeah, care. You too. Have a good one. Okay, so that was Daniel from Boxing Rock. Uh, we'll move on to our next, uh, our next portion of the show, and that's all Habs. It's all about the Habs. Uh, I tried to tie in the rebuild a little bit on all there. Habs? No, no, it's, this is a good show. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, all about the Habs. No, it's... I think it was a good point of view, though, to have Daniel, who is an Avalanche fan, to give us a little bit of an idea of a rebuild is never really complete until you win. True. It's true. Um, but that, see, now you, we got to talk, how are we gauging a rebuild? How are we engaging the, um, like, uh, for, let's talk Bergevin years. How are we gauging? We always said, like, I've always said, Bergevin years is going to be cut in half. Yeah, there's Bergevin version one and Bergevin version two. I personally believe Bergevin version two was trying to do the best rebuild that he could without really rebuilding. It was more retooling. It was retooling, but <clears throat> I believe he wanted a rebuild, and I believe Molson was like, "No, I want playoffs," and and I think that's what's been going on for twenty years. Yeah, I think GMs want to rebuild. Like, I think Bob Gainey wanted to rebuild, but he was told, no, this is Montreal. We got to make the playoffs. Like, we can't be out of the playoffs. For five and it goes crying for a rebuild. You got to realize that we're going to have a crappy team for three to five years. At least at, two. At least, at least two. two. But, I mean, I personally, I'm, I'm like Matt. I think Matt said it a few shows ago when I was on. I don't, oh no, it was Grant McKay. I don't think they're that far off with what they have. Like, I don't think they're uh, uh, that far. Like, do they need a full rebuild or do they just need some tweaking? I think that's what Gorton has to try to figure out, especially when he hires his new GM, which direction they want to go there and what they have. It's hard to evaluate though, when you don't have any players playing because they're all injured. So, well, I think I think Bergevin went with um, a bit of the retooling, and we can't say it wasn't successful because they did make a cup final. You can call it a miracle run, blah blah blah, but it's a team that, under whatever this whatever rules and regulations they had to follow, they made a cup final. 
I think now because of everything that's gone on with uh, over the last few years and the fact that they did make the playoffs under COVID, Molson seems to be a little bit more open to the whole rebuild, uh, rebuild thing. Well, if you look back and you take the COVID years away, I don't think Montreal makes the playoffs either, either year. Probably not. Uh, but we'd also have a different team. We probably also have a guy like, uh, uh, we'd be picking around ninth if we picked uh, two years ago. So uh, you'd have a guy like, uh, what's his name there? Starts with a P. Um, Perfetti. Perfetti or someone to that because he went around there. Uh, <clears throat> last year we had a full season. I, I don't know how Montreal would have done with a full season last year. I think they would have been a bubble team if they stayed healthy all year. Uh, but with Price injured most of the year, I really don't think they would have made the playoffs. Uh, so again, you're looking at a top 15 pick um from last year's draft so maybe they got amarov instead of ghoulies something like that uh, something i meant last year they would have had Mayu when they picked when they went to the final oh instead of yeah so they would have definitely yeah. gone a different way correct they would have that you know we wouldn't have all this controversy maybe a um yeah dawson mercer or something like that yeah uh so i don't think I still think bergevin might still be there or there might be a contract extension signed i don't know about that uh but you would still have to look that would be what four years that they didn't make the playoffs in a row uh and where's the team at are they any closer to being a you know a playoff team and uh it, we're all hypothetically but even here even if that but, were to happen and the canadians still had weber and price on the roster we would still be at the point we're at now where they would have to start thinking about moving some of these contracts out yeah which is essentially part of the rebuild but do you sign guys like to and anderson and all this stuff if you don't make the playoffs in the covid yeah. year like yeah, if you don't do what not. you did against pittsburgh in the covid year are you signing to foley and uh edmondson and uh trading for anderson in the in the offseason i don't think you are no so we're a totally different team than what we are right now and we don't and have still... that we don't have these big contracts you don't have a well, hoffman you don't have a you know, to Foley, you don't have an Edmondson, you don't have a, a Anderson. No, but you'd still have Price, you'd still have Weber, and those yeah. are contracts you would still end up having to talk about moving out. Yeah. So, the, yeah, yeah, they'd be in basically essentially the same spot they are in right now. It's just that they have more contracts that they may or may not move. They, they, they'd have more cap space. They, they, they'd have yeah. more. Now they're just looking at: Do we want these aging players? with these big contracts, not so much. We have all these contracts. We got to get rid of a few of these, no matter what age they are. I mean, that's where they're at right now. They have all these contracts and now they're like, okay, we got to get rid of a few of these if this is what we're going to do. Right. So. Yeah. And I think that's where we're at now. I think that's where Gorton and his management team are going to be pointing this team towards. So. I, I feel like the next couple of years are going to be a little bit uh, tight, but uh, I mean, it's the first time in Canadians history that we've been at this point. So yeah, en enjoy the historical ride, I guess. I think when it comes to price, it'll be prices. I mean, he has a no move clause. So it'll be prices choice regardless. Yeah. Uh, Weber's a non-issue, I think, because I don't think he's coming back. I think he's going to be LTI. No, but you could probably move him to say Nashville who can then control whether he retires or not. So the cap recapture is not an issue. 
Right. And it can give them like that full circle of going back to Nashville where it all started. And you might be able to get something out of them. Well, you could probably definitely get a first round pick if they're worried about that recapture penalty. Depends That's on what $24 that million. Dollars. Well, yeah, exactly. Right. Because, you know, Weber, as long as he's making money, he's not going to retire. Well, you never know. He might decide to uh, if he's with the Canadians because the Canadians don't care. I mean, there's no cap, uh, there's no cap recapture for them anymore. So for this season, yeah, yeah. So, so they don't care. So yeah. they're not going to stop him. But if he were with Nashville, maybe they would. So th- there's a possibility that could happen. Um, I don't know about that, but it's a possibility. I mean, it saves Nashville twenty four million dollars. And it gives them 7.8 million uh, relief on the cap right. every year that they have them. So to me, that's worth a first, but who knows what Nashville is going to do. Depends on what exactly. they uh... And with Carey Price, yeah, he has that no move clause. And we have to wait to see if he actually comes back to hockey. Like we don't know if he will want to come back. Well, he was taking I, shots. He was taking yeah. shots this week, and he's traveling with the team. And we'll see. Things look like he might be coming back. Uh, also, you got to think if Price is going to go somewhere, he's going to go on to going to want to go to a contender. I would, I would assume, or to the West Coast. Uh, and if he's going to go to a contender, I don't think anyone has the money to take him. To be honest with you, unless Montreal retains some of the salary. Yeah. Um, and that's that what four more years after this one retaining salary. Uh, it's going to, it's kind of tough. It's going to be at least 50%, which is almost five. That's 5 million bucks Yeah, for the next so, four years. Is Montreal going to want to do that? 5 yeah, exactly. million for nothing. So I personally think price stays. I don't think he goes anywhere. And I think they just live with his cap. Maybe plays a couple more years and retires, but I'd like to see him get that one last chance at a cup. Me too. Me too. You know, the Ray Bork experience. Yeah. Send him to Colorado. (laughs) Him and Drew into Colorado. (laughs) That's a Stanley cup for the, uh, for the abs right there, right there. We just solved your problems. And then it'd be send to Sherm and it'd be like, he's coaching the old moose heads. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Just need to get Ellers from uh, Winnipeg. (laughs) Oh, he wasn't on that team though. No, he wasn't. It was uh let's see, uh he, he joined the year after. That was Ferk. Yeah. Yeah, it was Ferk. Yeah. Ferk's definitely available. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Wherever he's playing. Um, all right. So from there, the news out of Montreal this well, last night, <clears throat> uh Arturi Lekinen has entered COVID protocols and the Canadians had to cancel the practice. Now do you think that this kind of points to the league is starting to look at possibly a shutdown, like a circuit breaker shutdown for a couple of weeks, let things blow over? Uh, well, Boston, Nashville, there's four or five teams that are done until after Christmas. Calgary. Uh, well, Calgary, the whole team has COVID. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I, Toronto, a uh, bunch of their guys just went into players, including uh, Sheldon Keefe. Um, I think it makes sense. Uh, I listen, I'm on with this COVID thing. I'm kind of on a fence now. I'm kind of like the hospitalizations aren't going up. Uh, we're going to live with this forever. 
you know, like this isn't going away. It's never going away. It's not, it's just, it's the new flu. It's not the flu. So don't take what I just said as me comparing COVID to the you flu. You mean it's endemic? It's endemic and, and it's yeah. never going away. We're going to have it for the next, however long we're going to have it. And uh, I think the NHL should shut down. I mean, if, if teams are, I, I don't think there'll be Olympics. So I think they're going to have a three-week three week buffer period. They can put games in. Um, well, I don't think the NHL is going to go to the Olympics. I'm not saying the Olympics will get canceled, but I don't think the NHL is going to go to the Olympics. No, I don't think so either. I think the players are going to vote not to go. Yeah. Uh, so they'll have a three-week buffer period to get the game back. I have no issue with them pausing the season. I really don't, um, especially when I have half my team uninjured and gives them, uh, you know, recovery time without missing any games. Um, but uh, there will come a time when – not just sports, but at countries, everything's, you're going to have to make a choice. Like, when are we going to go back to normal? When are we going? I mean, I think the kids should be vaccinated and everyone should be vaccinated before they decide to do the full switch, but because it's never going away. So it's tough. It's, it's tough to run a league when you don't know, you know, I mean, yeah. and, and apparently no one's seriously ill with the COVID so far of what I've read. No one's uh, this, yeah, this it's the uh, new Omicron, which is not as bad, I guess. Uh, I mean, we don't know the long-term effects, but the 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 short-term effects are basically just you know you're a little sick. You get a, it's like having a cold, I guess. So uh, well, it is merged, so the, it kind of merged itself with the common flu or the common cold, and the effects are less severe, but it is almost a hundred times more. Yeah, it's very high trend and i think that's what's happening in the nhl now is people are like oh i got a little bit of a cold i'm still going to go into work or i'm still going to go into play and then all of a sudden boom bam the entire team has covid so <laughs> yes i agree with you once i do feel like this is also endemic at this point and if we can get all the kids vaccinated or at the opportunity to do so and we give all the adults a booster i do feel like we're going to be seeing booster shots for the next you know, every couple it's, of years, it's going to be like the flu, the flu, you, yeah. get, a, you get a booster shot every year. Yeah. Uh, whether you want, if you want to, I mean, I'm sure these next booster shots after a couple of years will be man, will be if you want to take it or not. Um, yeah. uh, but uh, I think uh, the thing I do take positive out of this is it's proven that vaccines are working because uh, the hospitalizations are not going up. COVID cases are going up. Yeah. But like here in Nova Scotia, I believe we have geez, over a thousand cases, but uh, we only have eight people in the hospital and only two in ICU as of yesterday. I don't know if that changed, but. Uh, yeah. And that's, that's going to be the big key piece. The less people that go into the hospital, the more likely it is that we'll be able to ease off and become, yeah. and it'll become an endemic versus a pandemic. And then we can start to redo things as per normal. Yeah. Like, cause you got to admit once masks all start coming off, you're going to see another spike. Oh yeah. It, it, it's a guarantee. Yeah. But you have to look at the hospitalizations. I mean, we're getting off hockey topic here, but you have to look at the hospital. If they're not going up, then, and this is why I think it's a uh, endemic and not, more of an endemic now than a pandemic, because I, I just don't see it going away. <laughs> I just don't see it. Uh, you know, hopefully this is the version that stays. Cause if it's mm-hmm. as mild mm-hmm. as it seems, and I'm not saying it won't get worse, but right now it seems like it's better off than that Delta. So if this is the one that stays, then all right, 
So I, anyway, the NHL, I, I think the NHL should pause till after Christmas. I mean, there's only what a couple games left anyway. Yeah. Um, like pause until the new year and then, uh, yeah, come back and see what happens. Because the teams can't deal with having no fans in the stands, like the Canadians playing without people in the stands in that game against Philadelphia, that's about 2 million to $3 million gross revenue that didn't come in. Especially if they want to raise the cap another million bucks there next year. Not to mention the players want to stop paying that escrow payment, which is supposed to take a couple more years. So if you keep going with this, no fans in the stands, you're missing out on two to $3 million in gross revenue every single game. That's a huge hit. Yeah. Montreal wins with no fans. So <laughs> what do you want? Yeah. So I'm sure the fans would rather have people in the stands so they can lose, get their first pick. Yeah. Players make their money. And speaking of players, we'll move on from this portion of it to uh, the last section. And that's the younger players. So in the last game against Philly, we saw that there was more ice time and ro- uh, larger roles given to the young players and lo and behold it was an entertaining game that they had won weird i know so uh, romanov played over 24 minutes uh caulfield and yelonen were both over 16 they both had power play time caulfield on the top power play so paling last game i think had 17 minutes Who's that? Paling, I think, had 17 15. minutes last game. 15, okay. Yeah. And Suzuki had 25 playing yeah. in all situations. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think, I mean, I don't know if Gorton had a talk to Descharm or if Descharm just turned around and said, uh, but I've noticed in the last five games that uh, Caulfield's and uh, Paling's, I didn't really pay attention to Yolonen as, as much, but Caulfield and Paling's ice time went up. Uh, Paling went from nine minutes a game to, I think the least he played in the last five was 13-20. And Caulfield went up from uh, 10 minutes a game to 15. So that's, and Caulfield looked great. I think that was his best game that he's played since being in Montreal, like even though he didn't get a point, he he had eight shots. He was all over the ice. He was uh, Carter Hart robbed him a couple times. Uh, so I'll give credit to to Carter Hart, um, even though I think he's an overrated goalie. But uh, <laughs> um, uh, Carter Hart robbed him a couple times. He had good shots. He was playing well. He's getting himself open. Uh, now what I want to see, and I'll, I'll do the whole yeah, but um, I want to see Caulfield start playing i like him playing with paling but i like to see him maybe him and paling taking that second line uh minutes with say like a huffman or a druin or someone like that on the other side of them a little bit more talent instead of a pizzetta or lekanen or well see with lekanen it worked out really well because lekanen his game he he's good at puck retrieval he's very good at the four check gets the pucks in you know he, he picks them up off the boards uh, Paling opens up ice up the middle with his size and his speed. He's fair, he's physical as well. And then Caulfield finds those those dead zones behind him, mm. and that's that's why I wanted Caulfield playing with Paling. And yep. since the two have been playing together, both have been playing excellent hockey. And, and it, it it just goes to show that uh, Ducharme is one of the greatest coaches that ever coached the game. He knows what <laughs> to put together. It takes him a while. 
takes him a while to figure it out. But once he figures it out, boy, Montreal's going on a 10-game win streak. It's guaranteed now. So, uh, no, Well, I mean, kidding. after after he ignored our emails where we sent him copies <laughs> of the show, he finally listened and said, oh, oh finally listened idea. to the show. And they put the power play together that I wanted, and uh, except for the defense. But, uh, you know. Baby steps. But, baby steps. But uh, I, it's you've said it many times and I hate tooting your horn, but uh, um, you know, you got to play the skill. And if you're not going to play the skill, you're not going to win the games. And he's finally starting to play the skill. I still don't understand why Armia is getting so much ice time, but because uh, he's horrible. I, I, and don't get me wrong. I'm an Armia fan. I always rooted for him. I always thought he'd be a 20, 25 goal scorer if he was healthy. And but he's this playing year, like shit. This year he's, he's like, uh, He's like Jeff Petrie, and I think Jeff Petrie's injured. I don't care what anyone says. No one drops off a cliff that far. Um, I think Jeff Petrie's dealing with some mental and physical stuff, to be honest with you. And I say mental, meaning I don't think he's happy with the way uh, he's playing, and I don't think he's happy with the way the team's going, and it's affecting his play. Um, but uh, with Armia... I don't know. He's just he's there's nothing in his game that that impresses me at all. Well, he was supposed to be a healthy scratch for that game against Philly, but then you know someone else got hurt and he had yeah. to jump in. And yeah, it just I think that's what he needs. Like, look at the, what happened to Romanov with his healthy scratch. Romanov's yeah. been probably the best defenseman on the team besides Sherratt since uh, coming back from uh, from that uh, one game press box. Suspension. I'd argue. I'd argue that Romanov is the better one. Mm-hmm. in his own zone especially yeah i mean i just think shiraz playing great hockey I oh think yeah he's, uh, he's the true leader out there on the ice and uh yeah maybe it's because it's his contract year because a lot of players always play well in their contract year but uh yeah he's playing for uh for a contender to pick him up yeah and good for him and yeah. you know the more better he plays it just means the better pick what what the return we're going to get for him when we trade him off will be better i mean so good that you have fans now saying we should resign him because he's the best defenseman we have hell no (laughs) he should be walking into those press conferences and sitting down going am i worth a first now i mean i like charat but i'm I'm not keeping him i'm not i'm not especially if you're going to have to probably give him four to four and a half million to keep him when you think about what's coming up you have harris you have struble you know, you've got uh, all kinds of young Fair Brother, Gooley, Norlander. Exactly. There's no room. Jackai. Jackai, yeah. I like Jackai. So you've got all these guys coming up. Do you want to sign this player who's, you know, flirting with 30 for several years for a high, a high cap hit? Or do you want to just trade him now, get your first round pick, and make room for the younger guys to move up? This is exactly what you're going to do, especially if you're rebuilding or even retooling. You're you're not keeping uh, a dot. You're not keeping uh, uh, ending contracts. You're just not doing it. No, no. Especially not when you have Edmondson still there. uh, Savard is still there. Petrie's still there. And Edmondson's what? His his is up next year. His his contract's over next season. Got two more seasons after this. Two? I thought it was just one after this. All right. Uh, Two more seasons. Uh, Savard, well. Three more. Three more. Petrie, 27 more. So, uh, <laughs> but uh, he's got three more after this as well. Yeah. 
Uh, but I mean, still, and that that's almost perfect timing for the young guys because uh, uh, Norlander and Gouli, I think, will be on the team next year. Um, so you'll have Norlander, Gouli, and Romanov, and I think they're going to fit into your top four somehow. Um, yeah, yeah, so. I, I think Norlander going back to Sweden is a good uh, uh, works out best as well. It gives him more ice time. It gives him more. It, it puts him into a more comfortable position. He's closer to home again. Yeah. And then next year, when he comes back to North America, he'll have he'll have more of the mindset of I'm staying, as opposed to this year it was, well, I don't know what's going to happen. We'll see. I think if he got more ice time in Montreal, I think it would have been a different added outlook for him as well. Maybe. Uh, but did he deserve the more ice time? Um, in the he deserved goal, power, I, I think he so. deserved power play time. I think he deserved more power play time than what he got. Yeah. But uh, he has a lot to learn, especially on the defensive side of the game. Uh, I had no issue with him staying in Laval. I think the move to Sweden was more of to make him comfortable than to make yes. uh because uh, he's got. I thought I think he would have got just as much ice time in Laval as what he's going to get in Sweden. Uh, they have another defenseman over there now that's similar to Norlander that's been ripping it up in Furlanda. So. And he's gone now, right now, with uh, Team Sweden for the World Juniors. Right. So that opens so, up a window for him to regain to his old a, spot. Regain the old spot. Yeah. Yeah. So, but good for him. He's going to get the ice time in Sweden, regardless. Uh, he's going to be close to home. He's going to feel more comfortable, and hopefully, it'll uh, pick his game up. He'll learn on his deficiencies over there in Sweden um, uh, for when he comes back. All right. Uh, I think that pretty much does it for this episode. Uh, do you have any final thoughts? Uh, no, I just want to, this probably be my last one until after Christmas. So I just want to say Merry Christmas, Happy New Year to everyone. Be safe and enjoy your families this holiday season. I'll, I'll echo that sentiment and I'll say happy holidays because I want to trigger people. You can still say Merry Christmas. It's Nobody legal. cares if you say Merry Christmas. Or happy holidays. It's <laughs> no all one cares. the same. No one cares. Stop pretending that like people care. So Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, whatever you celebrate, I hope you you enjoy the celebration that you and your loved ones share together, no matter how big or small your bubble is. Um, I want to remind though, uh, remind everyone that uh, today is the 19th of December. As of tomorrow, the 20th, it's the last day to purchase Habs Unfiltered t-shirts from 514 Shirts. Uh, 100% of the profits will go to Vets Canada. And that money will be used to help end veterans' homelessness and to provide support to other programs that Vets Canada provides. So it's almost Christmas time. Buy 10, 15, 20 shirts. Hand them out to friends and family. Keep a couple for yourself and, uh, you know, help out vets where you can. And uh, remember, if you were talking about it, so are we. Habs Unfiltered has special sponsors. Uh, go to seatgiant.ca to save 35% on all your fees when purchasing tickets to NHL, CFL, Major League Baseball, concerts, whatever event Seat Giant sells. Use the code UNFILTERED20, save 35% on your fees. Go to builtbar.ca and save 10% using the code UNFILTERED20 on your purchases online. Go to East Coast Lifestyle and use the code UNFILTERED20 to save 20% off your purchase of any clothing at East Coast Lifestyle. 
Also, Lift Life. Go to liftlife.ca and use the code HABS10 to save 10%. And for a special promo until Christmas, Habs Unfiltered will be selling t-shirts in conjunction with 514 shirts. If you purchase one of our shirts, the entire profit for the sale goes to Vets Canada. Vets Canada does work to end veterans homelessness across Canada. So let's help a great cause and wear a great shirt. and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people, he, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast, heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from jeffwoodsradio.com. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network.